Stevenson University Online is the leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches. Yeah, Yeah, you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul-searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth, and then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth, uh, no matter what the consequences are. Okay, everybody, we are back uh, with this next session. Uh, really happy that we get a, uh, we're bringing on my good friend uh, Bobby Lopez. Uh, he's joining us for this next session. Gonna be talking a little bit about his story, but more specifically, what's going on within the academic circles, uh, even within uh, Christianity as well. So it's gonna be a really interesting conversation. But Bobby, uh, welcome to Canceled, and glad we can uh, sit down and we can chat here for a little bit. Thank you. I'm so happy that you put this together, and I'm proud that I'm able to be here with all these names that are so much bigger than mine. But hopefully, I'll be, you know, carrying on the part about academia and the church, which I think is an important piece of this puzzle. Yeah, you know, and, and the interesting thing is too is I think I think a lot of times a lot of times people are people feel like it's it's strictly the left and strictly like Democrats that are canceling conservatives. And I think what's interesting about your story is, yes, there's definitely a progressive streak there, but it's also happening within conservative circles as well and evangelical circles. And that I think that's surprising to a lot of people. So I think that'll be interesting. Right. Yeah. Well, let's go for it. Let's let's explain. Yeah, definitely. So 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 wanted to just briefly, if you wanted to just quickly share your share your story and then we'll kind of dive into more of the logistics and how it all plays out and that sort of thing. But just to give some people a background on you. Well, look, I was a competent scholar. I was doing well in my academic career. I had a Yale degree. I had a Ph.D. in English and an M.A. in classics lettered in Greek and Latin. So I was completely just minding my own business, doing my academic work. And then people asked me to share my testimony of how I grew up. I grew up in a gay home. I was sexually abused at the age of 13. And uh, after that, I was then drawn into this gay world. And everybody convinced me that it wasn't abuse, that it was me, that I was gay and that I can't change. And when I finally just rebelled against all of that, because I 
knew deep in my heart that I loved women and I was straight. And this was all just something that was forced on me by growing up in a very skewed environment in my household and the abuse. Then, of course, the gay community piled on. And so at the, at the time when that broke out, I was working in a very left-wing department in Los Angeles at California State University, Northridge. And there were so many calls for me to be fired. I was put under investigation for all of these just fake kangaroo court trials through the Title IX office. And I eventually left that job after getting the threats from people, after having my door vandalized. They dragged a knife across my door over my army stickers. After going through all of that, I came to teach at a Southern Baptist seminary, and the seminary fired me for writing about same-sex abuse because after Adam Greenway took over the presidency of the seminary, it was a new president. It wasn't the one that had hired me. Uh, He wanted to take the seminary in a new direction. So they claimed to everyone that they were going to be staunch and conservative, but they didn't want certain unpleasant topics to be raised surrounding the LGBT issue. They just wanted it to be about the college having the right to expel students accused of being gay, which I did not think was a good thing, okay? Uh, I actually worked with students who I knew should not have been expelled, but they got expelled because their classmates accused them of being gay, and I thought that was horrible. Paralegals are highly essential from law firms and courtrooms to insurance, real estate, HR, and more. If a paralegal career or law school is in your future, Stevenson University Online's Bachelor's in Legal Studies will help you achieve your goals affordably with no application fee. 100% online, approved by the American Bar Association with new online sessions starting every eight weeks. Get started today. Visit stevenson.edu slash paralegal. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Right. But that's that was the whole purpose was they were saying we're holding the line because we're going to expel people for being gay. All right. And then the other thing was that they define marriage between a man and a woman and they define homosexuality as sin. They did not want to talk about abuse in any context, even as they were uh, building their whole regime on this idea that they were going to protect women as part of the church Two movement against sex abuse. There was an absolute censorship on any discussion of same-sex abuse, particularly same-sex abuse in the gay community. I don't know who gave the marching orders on that, but I was called in and said I could not write about that. I wrote about it under a pseudonym, and I got fired in December 2019. So I am here as living proof to tell you that cancel culture is not just a left-wing thing. It is also a right-wing thing, and that often the bad players who are canceling people on the right wing are behind the scenes or through some oblique connection, they're carrying water for the left-wing people who are canceling. That is to say, if you get on the blacklist and you're canceled by the left, you're going to get canceled by the right. 
So yeah, well, you know, and, and, and I think the, the interesting thing too is looking at everybody's perception of of, of academia is obviously it's very skewed to the left. So so a lot of people they expect okay if you're conservative you're going to get canceled by the left, right? But mm-hmm. but I think specifically what a lot of people think about is okay so that just means you're not going to get a job, right? But but I th- but I think your your story and your experience and as well as many others, I think it goes it goes to show that this goes way beyond just whether you get hired or even fired. There's intimidation, there's attempts to silence. There there's lots of different tactics that I think it that seems that are being used. And I think that a lot of people don't don't fully understand what's actually going on in order to control a narrative. Well, you have to remember that when they're canceling these people in academia, they're trying to cancel their research. They're trying to cancel what they're going to say in the classroom. They're going to try to cancel what they do in service to the community in terms of offering commentary and offering advice to to principals out there in the community that need guidance on certain matters. Um, so there is, it's not just about you getting fired. They want to make sure that your voice is going to be stifled anywhere. And that's part of the reason why in the academy, it it went beyond the walls of the campus at, at a certain point. And this changed in the 20 years that I was a professor. There was a time when what you said off your work hours, what you said in conversations with people or what you wrote in an editorial for the newspaper as a principal, people couldn't hold that against you. Now, uh, that changed. And I have to say one thing, and that is that David Horowitz is a very respected right-wing commentator. I have a lot of respect for some of the work he's done, but it was disastrous what he brought into the right wing in this discussion about academic culture, because he really uh, engineered a lot of the academic cancel culture that then the left said, oh, look, you can get liberal people fired Uh, through all these things, and you can attack them over things they said in a newspaper column or things that they posted somewhere or said offhand somewhere during passing time or whatever, I can do the same thing to the conservatives. And so then that really blew up. Uh, So it it really is, it's an all-out assault. I want to say one thing, which is that the right wing, as I discuss in the chapter that I wrote for your book, The right wing has many, many different uh, iterations of these complaints about liberal bias in higher education, and they've been ineffective. And some of these spokespeople screaming about liberal bias in higher ed were almost ineffective by design, that they, they, they made a cottage industry out of complaining about the fact that there were so many liberals in higher ed. And none of them addressed the fundamental underlying issue, which is that this is a discrimination issue. It's a labor issue, fundamentally. This is a pattern of discrimination and persecution against conservatives, against a group of people who are defined by creed. And so it follows the same pattern that we would see in earlier forms of discrimination against people based on race. And so the only way to uncrack this It's great that people go to homeschooling and that they try to found their own independent conservative schools, but all of those are going to get taken over by the left, too. The most important thing is we need a presidential commission or some kind of government commission to look into anti-conservative persecution in labor practices in the field of education. Uh, We've talked a lot about students and even the most recent announcement from the Trump administration on protecting religious liberty on college campuses. 
that was geared mostly towards students. And it also made the mistake of giving more leeway to Christian colleges, saying Christian colleges are going to be free of any kind of regulation. You don't want that because the Christian colleges are doing the canceling. There's no difference. my, My story is proof of it. Southwestern Baptist was the most conservative place on earth. And, and they're moving that way. Liberty is going to be moving this way. We've, we've talked about that as well. So there has to be some sort of systematic government response to a, a, a social problem that is damaging all sectors of society. And that is conservatives are persecuted in the field of education. And just as the government responded with antitrust legislation when it was a question of monopolies, or RICO, when they found that organized crime had all these loopholes that they were working around. You've got to understand that the existing framework that we have is not able to address this, and and we need a framework to address it. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I think and I think too, I think the, the important thing is that I feel like academia as well, and you know, colleges and universities and seminaries, what they should be doing is they should be teaching you how to think, they should be teaching you how to rationalize, how to come up with your own. Uh, you know, conclusions and, and things along those lines. And I, and I think to, and I think to a certain degree, what, one of the things that's been lost is that it seems like it's flipped to now just pushing a particular propaganda, a particular, a particular issue. And that's the route that they go and that all the professors now have to fall into line. And then they're forcing that on the students and things like that, as opposed to opening it up for differing, differing opinions, different perspectives, dis- discussions, d- debates, and that sort of thing. Has that been something that's been more, more of a gradual, uh, process to get to this point? Or is this something where it's kind of been like this for, for like quite a while? Well, conservatives have been com- complaining about this ever since the 1950s. Gr- gr- Obviously, when people who go into the academy are going to be a little bit more liberal than everyone else in society generally. But it has gotten worse. I think that we can trace it largely due to the financial corruption in universities. That's where the ideological bias is coming from. What, What happens is that higher education is based on a medieval model of religious education, which no longer drives colleges and universities, right? Oxford and Cambridge were originally, these were monastic uh, religious institutions that were supposed to be teaching religious content to people. So higher education, the way we have it today, is based on certain things that came from a church model without God. So we have things like tenure, or we have things where people just pay their money to support universities, and they're free from most of the scrutiny that is given to other places, right? Uh, but the problem is that there's no God there. So there's no unifying creed among the faculty and among the administrators. Instead, what it becomes is they, they're just given a lot of leeway to do what they want. And so it's wide open for corruption. So what you have is they realize that one party, the Democrats, really were tied to them through a lot of social ties. And they had a lot of common interests with them, particularly after the 1960s. And so what universities found was that if they helped Democrats get elected, Democrats would give lots of money to the universities in the form of grants, in the form of tax exemptions, in the form of guaranteed student loans, um, and in many cases for public universities, in, they're funding the whole thing. But this goes beyond public and private. Anything, for instance, a lot of the religious institutions that accepted money from the coronavirus grants. Now they're part of this whole 
rigmarole as well. Uh, the government gets a lot of cash into the hands of these universities. Think of the endowments, even for private universities. The fact that they are given tax exemptions based on the idea that they're a 501c3 nonprofit and they're functioning for to help the public good when really they're just perpetuating this little elite. So that corruption led to a system where uh, the more that they wanted money from the Democrats, the more that there was a lot of pressure flowing down from the top to the departments and then to the individual faculty that you've got to say certain things in the classroom and you can't say these things. You've got to publish these things. You can't publish these types of statements. You have to be associated with these types of scholarly associations and go to these kinds of conferences and not these conferences because all of it ultimately becomes uh, an incentive to get Democrats elected. So it became completely um, uh, corrupt. There, there's no way around it. Now, a lot of left-wing people like Jane Mayer wrote a book about the Koch brothers uh, interfering with public education. And it's ironic because she only focuses on the Koch brothers, not realizing that the Koch brothers are actually very liberal and they're actually part of the whole cancel culture because they're pro-gay marriage, they're pro-abortion, you know, they're, they're all, they have all those libertarian policies. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that this is mostly a Democrat and left wing problem. And that's why you see the pressure on the, the professors to make those statements. Now, when you have conservative or Christian organizations like a Baptist seminary or something like Wheaton College, sometimes it doesn't come out as obviously. It's a little bit more subtle. What The thing is that uh, they don't want trouble with elected officials. They don't want trouble with accreditors. They don't want trouble with the student loan agencies. All of those things are dominated by liberals. So they're going to go to their conservative professors and they're going to say, you have to be conservative. You have to publish things that let our donors and parents know that we're a conservative institution because we need that money coming in. But we got to sidestep certain issues because we don't want to get in trouble with the Democrats and then lose our funding in these areas. And that's how you end up with the situation we have right now, where whether you are on the 
most extreme right wing of higher education or on the most extreme left wing, everything moves left. Everything moves left. And as that money flows into universities, there's a lot of money that really doesn't need to be there. The, the number of administrators has increased so exponentially on many of these college campuses and these administrative offices like this Office of Students for Students with Disabilities, the Housing Office, the Student Activities Office, the Equity and Diversity Office, the Veteran Services Organization, the uh, Women's Center, the uh, Multicultural Center, the Student Activities. There's so much money in that. And many of the people who make their living off of those offices they basically need to look for things to keep them in business. And very often what that means is these university administrators getting all of this loose money uh, through this system, they're the ones that are pushing these student protests. They're the ones, everything that you see in Portland right now with all of this rioting, that started in 2015 on the college campuses. Do you remember when all of the college campuses from University of Missouri to Yale to you know, all of these campuses, they had these huge demonstrations and there were students complaining and no one could figure out what they were complaining about, but they were gathering and they were becoming increasingly aggressive and hostile and they were demanding all of these uh, concessions from administrators. Administrators really kind of fueled it instead of pulling back because often what their demands were, were demands for more money for these administrative offices. And so what that means is that the more that you, for instance, a, a thing like the Equity and Diversity Office, that's basically going to be nothing but an office to organize protests. Do you know what I mean? So right. it's like if you give more money to the beast, you're going to get more. You're, you're giving more and more and more to the protesters, to the rioters, to, to the people who became more violent. And then that spread off campus. So this issue really goes way beyond just college campuses. This is affecting the entire country. Yeah, and and I and I think to a certain degree as well, it, it's the, this cancel culture and the way you're explaining it. It's it's obviously it's a problem. It's the, it's a major problem, but to me, it's it's a symptom of a, of a deeper problem. Kind of what you're explaining. There's a lot. There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of push for particular ideologies, and and there's a lot of just money flowing, and which which creates influence. And this cancel culture is their way to hold on to power and control and the mm -hmm. finances and things like that. And I think that w when when you follow where cancel where cancel culture is, whether it's in uh, Hollywood, whether it's in the academic circles, the church, uh, politics, whatever it is, it seems like it, it's a it's a power grab, and it's a symptom of a deeper problem that we're going to have to figure out how do how do we solve these problems. So, like for example, like like you you brought up the uh, the suggestion of having you know government oversight and and mm -hmm. things along those lines, and and I think that you know to a certain degree we probably need that. But at the same time, we also got to figure out how do we create that separation from the Democrats or from the people with money and take away their ability to have that much influence over these universities where they can just throw a few bucks at them and all of a sudden now they can control the entire narrative at the school. Right. I think that they need to break down the higher education system as it exists. I wrote multiple articles that I could give you links for. Law abolishing tenure in the entire country. You can approach that from a labor practice. Tenure is an incredibly oppressive labor practice. Most of the people who teach classes on college campuses are not tenure track. They're not even full time employees. They live hand to mouth and they're teaching somewhere around two thirds of the classes that students on college campuses take. Uh, that's un that's an unfair labor practice. Most of the conservatives that are in the academy 
are adjunct faculty. They're those adjunct fa faculty because they can't get on the tenure track. And so I think that that would be one example because the tenure system, it'd be co too, too complicated to go into here, but the tenure system is a big part of how this system holds together and becomes as corrupt as we've talked about. So I think abolishing tenure would absolutely make sense. Also, I think that a lot of these schools need to lose their 501c3 tax exemptions. There should be no reason that we should classify a university as nonprofit if they accept a small number of people who apply and they're incredibly wealthy and they're producing this elite, this aristocracy that is running the country. And then that creates all this corruption because it becomes a good old boys network. So I don't think that the government should be involved in giving those people tax exemptions. That's one thing. I think that they're also the Department of Education needs to be much more muscular than Betsy DeVos has been. I went to the Department of Education for a conference that was hosted by the White House in November of 2018. And I didn't see the kind of bold measures that would need to be taken. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't see that. Like, for instance, I think that they do need to be actively involved in banning certain kinds of curriculum. I'm glad that Trump has introduced the issue of critical race theory. There is certain curriculum that shouldn't be taught because it's not fair to make it so that a student has to get a degree to get a job. And then as to get that degree, they have to sit through all of this curriculum, which we can prove objectively is not academic in nature. It's not helpful. Uh, it's not going to make them better citizens. There's no rationale for it. Uh, so I think that there needs to be more um, active involvement on that level. I think we need also accreditation agencies to make it easier for people to start new colleges and, and very targeted degree programs. I think we need to look away from the BA and the PhD and look more towards the associate's degree and the master's degrees as places where we can give people a really good education. I think it would be great if accreditation agencies basically told every single college in America, you can't give students bachelor's degrees until they get an associate's degree first. Make them learn a trade before you commit them to four years of a program that's really wasteful. Because wherever you have waste, wherever you have a lot of influence but no reason for it, wherever you have uh, inefficiency, you're going to have corruption and everything's going to move left because of what I just told you about. Anytime you have a curriculum that says the student has to sit here through four years and we're just going to kind of make up stuff to fill their time, you're going to get cancel culture because that that is that type of a system is ripe for people to target and to say, OK, we're going to flood our money into that program and we're going to take all of that slack, those loose odds and ends, and we're going to fill them up with people who are pushing our democratic ideology. And that's the way that we're going to get our, our, our system through. So I think it's, it's important that the government has to act on this. And what's frustrating to me is I, I was in the academy for 20 years and I saw this get worse and worse and worse with every year. And I just reached a point where it's like, I don't want to hear Robert George give us another speech about what the goals of higher education are. I don't want to hear about the, the 17 conservative professors who are comfortably tenured in really elite schools preaching to us about what we're supposed to do. Conservative people in academia, scholars who gave their life to this field, they're all over America. There's tens of thousands of us, and we're all living the way I'm living, going from job to job, always getting humiliated, uh, living on adjunct lines. And I can see how it's not just a personal harm to me. It's a harm to all of society. 
um, and and we can't seem to fix it. The the conservative wing, every time that they come up with a spokesperson, they make the problem worse. I think Ben Shapiro made the problem worse. I think Charlie Kirk made the problem worse because they just fed the whole. Um, the, for instance, Ben Shapiro put all the focus on guest speakers, and so everything became about. We've got to make sure that Ann Coulter can get paid $15,000 to go give a guest lecture at University of California at Berkeley. That doesn't change anything. That doesn't change the composition of the faculty. Most students don't go to those events. They're not, they're not even plugged into that, right? Uh, and then Charlie Kirk, he, he did tackle the administrative issues. He, he got these Turning Point USA clubs on hundreds of campuses, and that was something that earlier conservative uh, commentators didn't really do. They didn't bother themselves with the administrative issues. But the problem with Charlie Kirk's whole way of doing this is he's not really conservative. He's libertarian. And so he just it's it's very easy to get left wing professors uh, or left leaning professors to fit in with a libertarian model. You say, OK, yeah, you're right. You Republicans, you're right. You have some some misgivings about the way the budget is used. I, I agree. Socialism has got its problems. OK, but but we're just going to leave aside the social issues. And so the issue of sexual integrity, we're not going to go there. Uh, the issue of abortion, we're not going to go there. The issue of real deep articles of faith, we're going to avoid. And then what ends, what you end up with is a society that is rotting all over the place because those particular values are falling apart. And those really are the social values, I believe, are the core of what it means to be conservative. You can you can jimmy around the economic system a little bit. But if the actual definition of morality and dignity and honor and and modesty, if those things have fallen apart and, and those things fall apart when people have been through an educational system for 12 plus years and they haven't heard anything but a, a depraved moral system being pushed on them in science class, in history class, in English class, in French class, in every single subject. Yeah, and and I and I think and I think that the the problem with that is that you have you have only on these very controversial issues, you only have one train of thought that's being taught. As opposed to taking these things where pretty much America is split 50-50 right down the middle on a lot of these issues. And, and it seems like those should be the ones that we're, that we're wrestling with at universities. That should be the one that students are discussing and debating and you're having opposing sides and, and you are, you're actually dealing with the issues in an open, honest fashion, not just pushing it as propaganda, one track mind. If you don't agree with us, you're canceled. Now, one, one thing that I wanted to bring up to you and, you know, I wonder if this is an aspect is, could, could part of the problem be that the administrators, the people that are running these universities and seminaries and things, and things like that, they're terrified of the mobs and the mob culture. They're, they're terrified of the blowback from the main populace, whether it's on Twitter, social media, just their, their reputation, you know, shall we say? So like, I was thinking about, uh, as you were talking, Brett Weinstein up at Evergreen College. And, mm. you know, and like what, with, with, he's very progressive. But he took a stand against, like, again, this is how crazy this is. He took a stand against segregation. And, mm -hmm. and he got completely bashed by the left. You know, students were going around hallways with baseball bats trying to find him. Like, it was crazy. But the administration sided with the students because they were terrified of the mob culture. And they, they fired Brett Weinstein. And I wonder if, to a certain degree, a lot of these people... They are being manipulated by the masses that don't have anything to do with the school, 
but the, but it, they're just terrified of the bad press so much that that just pushes them left because the mob the mob outrage culture is typically from the left. I mean, do you feel like that could have any play at this within the academic world? Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com-spiritpark. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. Well, I, I, I think it varies from campus to campus. There were a lot of administrators who were terrified of the right-wing mobs. Remember that David Horowitz, he kind of engineered academic cancel culture. In, 15 years ago, in the aftermath of 9-11, it was the fear of right-wing people uncovering the fact that there was a professor on your faculty who expressed criticism of the troops or something like that. That would get, and there were a lot of people who were fired like that. So I think that there were administrators who were just not ideologically leaning one way or the other, but were just always afraid of any mob. I think that that was a more common model ten years ago. I think now the administrators are the mob. I, I, there, there has been a lot of turnover. When I came to Cal State Northridge in 2008, Jolene Kessler was the president, and um, Harry Hellenbrand was the provost, and they were people who really believed in that sort of liberal idea of free discourse, they were both gone by 2012. And then I was stuck under Diane Harrison. And then the other guy was Yi Lee, was the, the new provost. And so by that time, the left was the mob. They, they're working with the equity and diversity attorneys. They're actually conspiring with the mob to get professors out that they don't want. Because now the administrators are largely concerned with keeping that pipeline open to the Democrats. And the Democratic Party, remember, has moved much more to the left. So to keep those, that grant money flowing, you've got to now prove that you don't have anyone on campus who questions transgender transitions. I, I mean, I got in trouble over gay adoption. That feels like a million years ago. People aren't even talking about gay adoption anymore. But, but that was controversial at the time, I think that in order to get money from the Democrats now, you've got to prove that you have a massive uh, climate change sustainability program on your campus. You can't have anybody who questions climate change. You can't have anybody who questions or brings up creative or, or um, intelligent design. All of that's been eliminated. So I think that the answer to your question is 
it's changed. Brent Weinstein was a very compelling example. I think that he's been given a lot of attention because he is on the left and he was canceled. And this is another thing. It was the same thing at the same time that I was being put through this torturous Title IX. Uh, you know, it was like it was like an inquisition. It lasted 600 days plus. Uh, Laura Kipnis was this professor at Northwestern University who had been put under a very mild um, Title IX investigation that lasted for about 60 days, I think, or something like that. And then she was exonerated of everything. It never bothered her. But she became a celebrity. She got book deals. She was, you know, shuttled all over the country talking about how we have to have uh, more tolerance for discourse. But then you sit and talk to them, like my chance when I did get to talk to Laura Kipnis, um, she actually is, I, I think she would support canceling a lot of conservative people. So this is another thing that conservatives have done. For some reason, when we do have these heroes who have gotten, um, you know, cut off from the mob or they've gotten canceled, we like to hold up the ones that the left wants to hold up. So even in the process of fighting against cancel culture, we still kind of feed into the left. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I understand why people do that. But there are so many people I know who are right wing, who got fired from their jobs, who you just they were just ridden off into oblivion. Nobody heard from them again. Uh, they never worked again. You know, Mike Adams killed himself last, you know, last month. And that's amazing. That's somebody who was one of the leading lights of conservative academia. And he was the darling of uh, conservative organizations that wouldn't even give me the time of day, you know, like YAF, YAL, those kinds of things, because I was too radical for them because I was talking about LGBT in such a way. But even he, by the end, when he was uh, ultimately pushed out of University of, Cal of North Carolina at Wilmington, and he died alone. And he died by, you know, he died of, it looks like suicide. Uh, I still wonder whether he was killed, but I mean, let's just take the police reports and say it was suicide. That's really tragic. So you see the difference between Brett Weinstein, who is given all of this platform, all of this support, um, and then one of our own who dies alone. It's it's a sad distinction, but that's where conservatives have gotten themselves. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and I, and I think that's definitely something that I think we all need to be you know be aware of as well. Right. And 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 I think that when we're looking at solutions, I know you had already talked about um, you know having gov you know governmental oversight of of a lot of this kind of stuff. But for everybody who's maybe watching this and they're like, okay, well, I'm not in the government. I don't teach here. I'm not an administrator, whatever it is. What is it that everyday Americans or even everyday conservatives should mm -hmm. be either aware of or that they can do in order to help foster a better society and a better culture around this whole cancel culture type mentality? I think that they have to keep this on the political forefront education has got to be the main issue for at least one presidential election cycle. Uh, typically, it gets put to the back burner. And, um, you know, you've got it's, it's ridiculous, the fact that we have teachers unions and a librarian association and all of these places that are so, you know, politically corrupt. And we the people have got to keep that at the forefront. So th this you have to raise this as an issue. If you are political at all, if you are involved in expressing opinions or asking questions or going to events and posing questions, or if you blog, if you write letters to your congressman, you have to make education a top priority and you have to use this language. You have to say, we need to address the persecution of conservatives in the field of education. You have to use that strong 
language because otherwise what's going to happen is if I'm a Republican politician and um, I have two choices, I can deal with, you know, deregulation and talking about how socialism is bad and trying to trumpet free market culture and capitalism. And that's going to bring me all of these different donations from these big multinational corporations or talk about education that no one really wants to sit through. And I don't really see I'm not scared of those moms who are angry about the the drag queen story hour. I can maybe do without them. I'll find someone who just kind of pushes them off to the side. I'm going to go with the corporations right until we make ourselves loud and heard. And that Trump did seem to hear this. This is what I why I'm impressed with him as a president. And I hope that if he does get reelected, he'll take this further. He is starting to look at this. Okay. But he's got to talk to people beyond Charlie Kirk. He's got to talk to the people who were really actually canceled. Um, we can't have another hearing on this issue uh, in Congress. And they just invite Ben Shapiro and Adam Carolla, who's a, a Hollywood figure who made a movie about it. We, they need to talk to us, the people who were actually canceled. But you, 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 we need to make this a huge political issue because this is everything. I, I, I hate to make it seem like this is like I'm blowing my issue out you know, beyond its importance, but education is everything. If you don't break up this system, this corrupt system, you're going to see more riots. You're going to see more and more generations of discontented, maladjusted, dysfunctional, psychopathic young people who, who are going to continue to become a one party constituency because education right now is controlled by the Democrats and all of these young people are, being fed into the democratic pipeline, you're going to get more. And they're, the the things that they're being taught are dysfunctional. You know, they don't work. They, they don't. So you're going to get more and more of this collapse. You're going to have bigger and bigger student debt. You're going to have more and more young people graduating with all of those student loan debts and not being able to get married or buy a house. So we're going to have a drop in the population. People are not being trained for jobs that are out there in the workforce. So you're going to have all of that. So you know, it's we have to take action. And up, up until now, we've really relied upon conservative small government philosophy. And we, we've got to get beyond that. OK, obviously, I like small government. But the what I always hear from people when I talk about this issue is I get these conservatives who say, well, we don't want to make the problem worse by getting Washington involved in all of these educational issues. Stop that. Washington is already involved. You know, and, and moving it to local control, the left has already taken over your local school board. I've, I've gone to local school board meetings in Texas, and it's all the same thing. It's all the people who are pushing transgenderism on kindergartners, and they want to teach about all these kinds of sex to the little kids. It's, it's, they've already taken over that local thing. So we need it to be at the local, state, and national level. We need it to be a major political issue. And they, the government has to use the power that it has to correct this problem. It's just like with desegregation or Jim Crow, right? The government can't just sit there and let states perpetuate a system that's oppressive indefinitely. At some point, you have to go in and you have to say, okay, if this institutional system is not working and it has no means of self-correction, then we have to correct it. That may mean breaking up schools. That may mean you know, placing them under some kind of supervision and having to analyze who they're hiring, what their hiring process is, who they're firing, and, and saying, look, if you are violating these basic principles of good practice, then 
you're going to be shut down. I mean, you're going to have to have that or this is not going to go anywhere, you know. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, the thing, the thing that I always tell people as well is like we have to remember that as everyday Americans, we are the government. That's the way our founding fathers established this. So we have a, we have a responsibility when it comes to our voting, when it, we have a responsibility, yeah. we can we can contact our, our you know local, state and national legislators, which is vitally, vitally important that we do that, like in Washington, D.C., you can call up your state representative or your uh, or your senator and you can oftentimes talk to them, talk to their uh, talk to their uh, manager. You can talk to all different kinds of people and you can actually have influence. And so this is one of those areas where I think we need to remember, like, we could actually take a stand. We could begin to get vocal and just say, like, literally enough is enough. So um, but yeah, yeah but- I think I think on, on your larger topic of cancel culture, too, I think it's important to understand um, the toll that it takes on everyone in an institution when someone has been canceled. Because every person that canceled, you had students who are watching this being done to one of their professors, and then they have to sit there and go to class with other professors that they wonder, did this professor betray that professor? You know, um, and it, 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 it's terrible. It poisons everything. It makes everyone afraid to speak. Um, it rewards the nastiest, most passive aggressive people in an institution, and it punishes the most honest and straightforward people. Yeah, no, no, definitely. So, uh, but yeah, uh, Bobby, I really appreciate you coming on, really diving into a lot of this. Again, vitally, vitally important that we understand the ins and outs of this academic world, especially when it comes to cancel culture. But I really appreciate you coming on. Now, if people want to follow you, your writings, anything that you're talking about and get more information, what's the best way for them to do that? Okay, I have a website called bobbylopez.me. That's a pretty simple one. I, I'm also on Twitter. My Twitter handle is rlopezmission. And they can follow me on Gatekeepers. My podcast is The Big Brown Gadfly. So I have a couple books coming out about this. So Definitely. Uh, again, everybody, uh, make sure you go uh, follow Bobby. Keep up on all that's going on out there. And again, get, get vocal. We need to stop being the silent majority and begin to be the vocal majority. And uh, But yeah, again, Bobby, really appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate you being a part of this. And uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com spiritpark 